Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Church London. Um, so good to be with you this morning via Church at Home. Um, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, my name is Hannah and I attend uh, the Stockwell service at Christchurch. And it's just, yeah, a real privilege to get to uh, speak with you today. So today what we're doing is continuing our series that we've been in called The Life of the Spirit. And this series has been looking at <clears throat> the Holy Spirit who he is, what he does, how he helps us. Um, and this is actually the penultimate talk. In a few weeks, we'll finish off uh, this series. Um, but so today we are looking at the theme of hope in waiting. That is the title of our talk today, Hope in Waiting. Uh, it will be based on Romans 8. Um, so I'm just going to get straight into the passage. Uh, the words will come up. Please follow along with me. So we're Romans 8, verses 18 through to 27. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Well, you might have heard the title and thought to yourself, waiting for what? What is it that we're waiting for? What do we need hope for within our waiting? What are we waiting for? Well, I think it's interesting. When I when I thought about the theme of waiting, I thought, gosh, it's like I'm always waiting for something. And I feel that it's kind of like, in human nature to be always waiting for the next thing. Um, I don't know what it is for you, but I've um, often waited for um, babies or to meet someone who I could uh, marry and belong with or to achieve something specific or have a certain type of career. Um, Or maybe we're waiting for things like a level of healing or um, a level of healing of our own hearts or perhaps of relationships. We're waiting for something in the future that we want to come about. I think that is just in human nature. But I would say that these kind of waitings, which are for really good things, are like, I would call them small W's. 
And Romans 8 tells us that there is a capital W, that all human souls are really waiting for it. In fact, all of creation and God himself are waiting for an event and humanity is actually yearning and waiting for something to come about. And Romans 8 describes that day, that event this way. It says it's described as the glory that will be revealed in us or the day when the children of God will be revealed. The day when creation will be liberated and brought into the glory and freedom of the children of God. We're awaiting our adoption as sons and we're awaiting the redemption of our bodies. Now, this is referring to a day that is coming about that is basically the climax of all Christian hope. The capital W that all of creation and God himself are also yearning for. And it's the day when the Bible tells us that Jesus will return. Revelation 21 also describes this event, but a bit differently. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. What a picture for all of creation to be redeemed, for God himself to be dwelling among us at last, for us to be his and him to be ours for all eternity, for pain and death and suffering to be ended, the old order done away with. But it's not just a day that we will observe happening all around us in creation and seeing God with our eyes. No, Romans 8 tells us that the children of God will be glorified. We, When we see him, we will be like him. We too, our very physical bodies, our emotional selves, our souls will be redeemed and glorified on that day. So it's not just a glory we will observe, it's a glory that we will be a part of, we will be caught up in. This church is the hope that Romans 8 tells us into which we were saved. This is the day we are hoping for. This is the day we yearn for. This is the day our hearts cry out for. Now, I don't know about you, but um, waiting in this life for this day to come about, the liberation of the children of God and of all creation and God to be among us at last in fullness. It's really hard. It's not easy. I don't know um, if you find it difficult, but I was um, the just the other night I was reminded of um, the kind of pain of waiting for something that we're excited about to come about. So I have a five-year-old daughter called Maddie and it's Maddie's birthday in a few weeks. And um, I was um, quietly telling Johnny, my husband, something um, in another room from her about her birth, one of her birthday presents. And she caught wind of this. She heard something about her gifts. She knew what we were talking about, but she didn't hear everything. Of course, she ran in. She said, tell me what you were just saying. Tell me everything. Tell me what the present is. 
And we said, no, Maddie, we're not going to tell you what your present is. You need to wait for your birthday. That's part of birthdays. It's a surprise. You have to wait. And it ensued to be quite a long um, back and forth between her and us and her trying desperately to get us to tell her. And it, you know, it started small. It's really important to me. I need to tell my friends tomorrow. I have to tell my friends. This is so, so important to me. Escalated, escalated, getting so emotional. And we just kept her going. and said, no, Maddie, we're not going to tell you. I'm sorry. I know it's so hard to wait, isn't it? At which point she got so angry with us and she declared, this is the rudest room I have ever been in and I am leaving pronto. I have no idea where she learned the word pronto because it's not a word I've ever used though the passion may come from her mother. But I laughed inside thinking, yeah, it is really hard to wait for something we're really excited about. And, you know, that's, of course, a funny story. But in this life, it's also hard because we experience, not just because we're excited about that day we want it to come about, but also because we experience suffering and pain and frustration the passage tells uses words like frustration, bondage, decay, pains of childbirth, groaning, weakness, uses the word suffering. It's recognizing that this is not an easy process waiting for this day to come about, wait living in the in the world, in the life that we live in. And yes, we experience some of God's kingdom now through when we experience amazing, miraculous healing or God's presence and his joy and his peace or maybe provision. But there will be, until that day comes, there'll be some degree of decay and brokenness that we experience. And of course, I don't need to say that in the last year, we've experienced some really dark days. It has been hard to wait for that day, hasn't it? So how can we wait and not give up? We don't want to be Christians who say to God, I, this is the rudest room I've ever been in. I am leaving pronto. We don't want to get to that place with God. How can we wait and not give up when it's really, really painful? Well, the passage uses the most interesting word. It uses this word groaning when it tells us how we are to wait. And it says that there's three categories of um, groaners in the passage. So there's creation is groaning. The children of God are groaning inward. The spirit of God himself is groaning as he intercedes for us. This word is so interesting. It would make me basically think of childbirth, even if it didn't mention the word, but it does. It says at one point, it says the creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Now, having gone through childbirth myself and having read a lot of books on childbirth, I know that there are roughly kind of two, um, uh, two ends of the spectrum in terms of how you respond to labor. And on one end, it's out of fear. And um, basically, the pain is so intense and so terrifying, quite frankly, that we respond, we can respond with tension. And the tension makes us, our bodies tense up resist the process of labor, and we experience even more pain, which leads to more fear, more tension, more pain, more fear, more tension. And with this kind of response, you get a, a screaming. You would have heard that from me during my labor with Maddie, a, a terrified scream. But there's another way of responding to labor, which takes a lot of work before you go into labor, to prepare your heart and mind with the reality and the truth that the pain that you're going to experience is not something you need to be afraid of, 
but it is a pain that is good and you can trust the process that it is bringing about new life. And when you can do that, when you can get yourself so much in the place where you believe that the pain, no matter how intense it is, is a productive, a life-giving pain, then you can trust the process of labor. And often one of the words that's used for the noise women make when they're in going through labor in that way is groaning. So we could say that groaning is a noise we make when we are trusting that the process we're going through, however painful, is part of something that is going to bring about new life one day. Now, this is not easy, just like labor is not easy. And in fact, um, many of these books I have read and the research that I've done and my own experience of labor, it tells me that to go through this to endure that type of pain and have that kind of mental strength, you absolutely need support. You need support. You need someone who's going to stick right by you through the whole thing. Because in labor, there comes a point, well, right throughout, but then there's this point called the transition where it becomes so overwhelming that it's very common for women to say, I give up. I am out. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going home. I don't know how we expect to go home at that point. But anyway, that is how you're feeling. It's just like, no, no more. I'm done. I'm exhausted. I'm spent. There's 0% of strength left in my body to enjoy this anymore. And what you need at that point is someone to take you by the shoulders, look you in the eye with all the confidence in the world and to tell you, no, you're going to be okay. You're gonna be okay. You can do this. This feels impossible, but it's possible. I promise. This feels like it's gonna kill you, but it's not. There's a little baby waiting to meet you. Come on, you can do it. And the Holy Spirit is a bit like that in our lives. Romans 8 tells us that he helps us in our weakness. When we are at our weakness, he comes alongside us in his wonderful faithfulness and goodness. And he whispers to us. He looks us in the eye says, you can do this. It's gonna be okay. Look to that day. Jesus is waiting for you. There's a whole cloud of witnesses cheering you on. You can do it one more day with me. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until this is over. And he won't leave us. He's not going to leave us until it's over. In fact, no, he's going to stay with us for all eternity. I love this word groaning that it uses to go back to it, because to me, it's an invitation um, by from God, from the Bible to um, acknowledge and express our pain to God. Christianity is not a faith where it tells you, um, you know, this pain is not real or it's an illusion or you need to be really strong and buckle up. No, it's saying express it, groan, let it out. No woman can be quiet in labor. You have to let it out. You need to let in whatever noises come from that primal place of pain and desire to get this baby out. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us, as I said. It says he's groaning with us. And you know what? Sometimes within those groans, within that expression of our pain and our frustration and our yearning and our longing, 
We don't even know what to pray, but this passage tells us that the Holy Spirit knows what to pray, that he's praying, praying with wordless groans before the Father interceding for us according to the will of God. He knows what to pray when we don't. So get alone with the Holy Spirit and just let it out. It doesn't have to be words. It can be tears. It can be groaning. It can be dancing. It can be whatever expression of what you're feeling that feels appropriate for you and gets a release of what's inside. The Holy Spirit will help you to do that. You're not alone as you do that. This here is um, a picture of the two babies I uh, gave birth to. So Maddie and Josiah. And you can really do this. Um, if you don't have children, you could probably picture someone very precious to you. But to stick with the analogy of childbirth that's in the passage, I'm, I'm thinking of these two children. And um, I want you to imagine um, someone asking me, are, were your kids worth the pain of childbirth? Were they worth those labor pains? Is the experience of knowing them and loving them, is it worth the pain you experienced in labor? Wow, what a question. I mean, I could answer with, of course, but it's basically a non-question for me. It's an equation that doesn't work because they're completely different categories. I cannot compare the preciousness of my children with the temporary, though intense and horrific pain of childbirth. They're not comparable. It's not really a question I can engage with. And when I thought of this analogy, actually, to be honest, for the first time, the verse that our passage opened up with, our present suffering are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. That really clicked for me as I thought, yes, it's not that it doesn't make it, it makes the pain void. It's saying it's not really real or it's not really that bad. It's not saying that at all, because when you ask me the question about my children's childbirth, it doesn't mean that the pain, labor pain wasn't so painful. It just means that I can't compare the two. And I really believe that's what Paul is telling us. We will feel like when we see Jesus as he is and we are made like him, it just won't be worth comparing. So it will be so unbelievably worth it that it's not even worth making a comparison of the pain versus what's coming for us. It is worth it. Hang in there. Don't leave the room pronto because it's the rudest room you've ever been in. Don't let go of God. Stay with the Holy Spirit. Groan. Let him do the interceding for you. Let whatever is in you out and hold on to God. It's going to be worth it. To finish, I just want us to think about Jesus going to the cross. Because, you know... When Jesus went to the cross, he was left. When Jesus died for you and me, he was abandoned by God. He cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's completely alone in that moment. And you know why he went through that? He went through it so that you and I would never say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We might say it, but it's not true. As we said, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit will be with you always, forever. He will never leave your side. Jesus was left 
Jesus was abandoned by God. The Bible says, smitten by him, forsaken, so that we never would be. Why don't we pray? In John 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are our helper who will never leave us, will never leave our side. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill each one of us right now. I pray for those of us experiencing the labor pains of life, particularly intensely right now. Holy Spirit, gently come and rest on them. I pray for those of us who are in that part of like labor where you say, I'm done, I have nothing left. God, would they meet you in that place? And for those of us just feeling like, just generally, what is the point, God? It's so hard, it's so tiring, it's so frustrating, this life. Would we be reminded today that it is so worth it? That the beauty and the glory and the redemption that's coming will not be worth comparing to these dark days that we experience now. I pray that hope would fall right across our church in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.